0: That's the sound of Brock's jelly beans being poured into a candy bowl. Oops. And the sound of hosting your first family brunch. Listen to the sweet sonic musings of Brock's jelly beans swirling in your sister's favorite candy bowl. Well, second favorite. But thanks to these delicious beloved beans, she'll never know it's a replacement or that you and your cousin broke it trying to decorate a cake. Brock's, make moments sweeter. Head to brocks.com to shop now.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Bucketheads episode 23 of Lane Grant Holy Lands College Basketball Podcast and the home of your no longer first place but still very much in the hunt Ohio State Buckeyes. My name is Connor Lamans, and I am joined by my lovely co-host Justin Golba, who you will hear from in just a moment. Uh, before we get going, I just want to shout out the folks who have either been listening to us since the spring, as well as the folks who have May just joined recently, you know, when football slowed down. We love you all the same and, and uh, we appreciate you listening. We've reached about 150 followers on Twitter, on the Twitter account, so it seems like there's at least a few people listening to us airheads blab every week, so we appreciate you. Justin. Our large basketball son, EJ, he is just fine. I was in the building this last weekend. I saw his fireworks. He is just fine. How has your week been? And uh, I guess what were your thoughts watching that game this weekend?
2: been good. Um, It was better watching EJ Liddell kind of, I don't want to say shut some people up, but there was a lot of people talking about him being exposed, overrated, and all he did was drop 30 30 on people, on on their heads, and uh, look amazing on the defensive end again. So... um, you know, like you said, we knew he wouldn't be bad for long. I mean, he's just – there is – everyone keeps saying "Just you got to stop blaming COVID, but there is a very clear, like, stat census to, to look at since the COVID – he was playing great before COVID, the COVID break then he gets COVID. They have a three-week break where he probably practiced twice, and he's someone who uses his legs a lot. He plays a lot of minutes, so it took a while for him to get those legs back underneath him, but it seems like during that Northwestern game, He looked just back to normal, and um, you know we'll see how he looks. I guess today, if you're listening to this recording on Wednesday, but um, the Wisconsin game was released on Thursday, so it'll be today or tonight that they play Wisconsin. We'll see how he looks again against a good team.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty crazy, honestly. The the shots he was getting, and they they asked him a few times at the press conference, which we'll we'll get into. Um, I guess we can just dive right in, basically. They asked him at the press conference a few times. They were like, EJ, how, like, basically, how, (laughs) how did this happen? And if, if you didn't, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you watched the game, but if you didn't, for some reason, EJ scored 17 points in the first five minutes. So at the first media timeout, he already had 17 points on five three pointers in the first four and a half, five minutes. And they asked him, they're like, was Diebler, because Holtman was out and Peden was out, was Diebler running plays? For you to get open, Were you just open for some reason, and EJ just said like they were just they were just leaving me open outside, like they weren't really letting me get too much inside. But when I got back outside, they were kind of just letting me shoot. So I was just shooting because I was open. So they just left him open from right around the top of the key over and over and over, um, and so he just went he went crazy, mostly shooting from outside. Later in the game, it was more inside, but. You know, a good bounce back game for him after a couple of um, objectively like just bad, bad performances.
2: Yeah, and that's the benefit of having someone like Branham go off over the past couple games. You know, that's they had to put more attention onto him. Normally, a lot of these games, you know, EJ is taking the brunt of the attention. And he's trying to kick it out to guys like Arns and, and Cedric Russell and Malachi Branham and Michi Johnson to, to make some plays. While now Malachi Brandon was the playmaker, they have to kind of look at him. So EJ was finding himself a little more open than he's normally used to, and he's a he's definitely a good enough shooter to where if he's open, he'll knock it down. So um, he kind of made Northwestern pay with that one.
1: And not not everything was great. Uh, EJ was great. He had 34 points. On I would need to pull the box score up to see exactly how much he shot. I think he took 20 shots. The key was like 12 of 20 or something along those lines. But he had. 34 points, a career high against Northwestern, but not everything in that game was great. They beat Northwestern by eight points, 95-87 in a game when your your best player scored 34, and basically your second best player on the floor scored 24. So your two best players combined for almost 60 points, and they still only won by eight. Um, There was a lot of stuff that was not good, most notably offensive rebounding. they gave up 16 offensive rebounds to Northwestern, which was, I believe, the most that Ohio State has ever given up since Chris Holtman became the head coach.
2: Yeah, and you know there was a lot of factors for that, mainly just because when you're missing as many shots as Northwestern was as as early as they were, um, you know, you kind of get a. Little, and you know, we talked about this uh, kind of during the game. I think when you're playing that well on offense and just everything is going right on offense. They had 51 points in the first half. They had 51 total points against Indiana. Like everything was just flowing and flowing and flowing. Um, you tend to get a little bit lazier on the defensive end just because you, you kind of you kind of get in that mindset of like, we know we're going to score on the offensive end. It's not a good mindset to be in, but it's just kind of reality. It's kind of the, the – it's not the same, but it's some of the basketball equivalent of like when you get up 35-0 in football and you start playing just that prevent D. And let the quarterback throw for four hundred yards. You just still know you are going to win. Um, it's kind of that. It's kind of similar to that. Um, the offensive rebounding isn't good. It hasn't been great all year. It's it's just something at this point they're going to have to just accept they're just not great at they're just not that big of a team. So when you do face guys that are 6'10", 6'11", ten, six eleven, they're probably going to get a couple offensive rebounds. Um, it's just something I have to play through at this point. You said Key was in a little bit of foul trouble, which didn't help because he is their big guy, and um, you know because Malachi Branham has been playing so well and Michi Johnson has been playing pretty well. I think that's taken away a little bit of like Kyle Young's minutes, who is obviously a good rebounder, but obviously you need Young out there as much as possible because he's the engine that makes this thing run. Um and then also, you know, Liddell was guarding Pete Nance a lot of the game. And Pete Nance is kind of kind of like a Liddell. He'll pull you out of the of the paint and have to you have to guard him on the perimeter. So a lot of those rebounds Liddell wasn't even in the paint for. So it was kind of um just one of those games where I think they were playing so well on offense that the defense wasn't amazing again like I said it's not an excuse you know you should they probably should have beat them by 20 or 25 points it probably shouldn't have been even close but credit to Northwestern for knocking down some shots and I mean Ty Berry had a career high so you know credit to him
1: yeah it it wasn't good that area of the game Uh, Ryan Young for Northwestern had five offensive rebounds by himself Ohio State had seven for the whole day. Um as a team they had seven, and Ryan Young from Northwestern by himself had five. Um and and he wasn't asked about it post game. I tried to get a question in to Holtman, but unsurprisingly, that like you mean the, the, t- to ask, I'm sorry, you're right, cheese, to Diebler. Um of the three groups players, Chris Collins and Diebler, like the highest demand for questions is Diebler. So I wasn't able to get one in. But um I wanted to ask about that offensive rebounding. Um, is it because it, when I was watching it, it didn't look like long rebounds. Sometimes that happens. Like you just get unlucky. Your team is missing their threes and the threes clang off the iron really long and they get the rebound. It was just like Ryan Young, Pete Nance. Those guys were just tougher, stronger, and more aggressive. Slash. It seemed you know, like I'm some not, loose
2: ball rebounds as well, just kind of like guys not securing and, and balls kind of getting away, which I you know I don't have the numbers on that, but it seemed like it.
1: And I you know I'm watching the ball most of the time, so I'm not looking at all five individuals, but you know maybe guys weren't doing a great job boxing out, just grabbing a body and stopping them. Like I'm sure that when you get that many offensive rebounds, luck, just getting a bad bounce here or there plays into it partially, but it's also something they have to shore up because they're not going to shoot. What did they shoot this game? 50-some percent. They shot 57% as a team. So in a game when you only shoot, even if you drop that down to 45%, which is still pretty good, um, you give up 16 offensive rebounds, you probably lose the game. Um, So that's going to be something they need to work on. They turned the ball over 14 times, um, and it was collectively as a team. Like Wheeler had three. He had six assists, but he had three turnovers. Um, Liddell had three. Kyle Young had three, which is not like him. Uh, Malachi Branham had two. So basically all of their mistakes were covered up because they were, they were uh, so good in the offensive end, but there are going to be days when you're not playing that well offensively. And those types of things are going to lose you games like potentially tonight.
2: Yeah. And, and those are the things you have to share up for when you're playing like a Purdue where you have Zach Eady and Trivia Williams down there. And even like a Caleb first, you know, these guys are just really good rebounders and, they're just simply bigger. You know what I mean? They're just bigger than any Ohio State. Player. Zach Eadie's bigger than anybody in college basketball. So, um, you know, th- those are where you need to share those up because there's no reason Zach Eadie shouldn't have 15 points against them or 15 rebounds against them. But then you see they play a team like Penn State, and we talked about John Harrow, who and we'll kind of talk about Penn State a little bit later because, you know, they play them coming up again. John Harrow is one of the better rebounders in the conference by far. Like He's very, very physical, very big, very strong. He only I had – he had 12 against might, Ohio State,
1: but it wasn't – He's a leading rebounder in the Big Ten right now. I, th-
2: I think he is. Uh, he was last year or one of the ones last year. I, I don't know how much Coburn's averaging, you know, because he puts up those weird stat lines of like 29 and 17 and then he'll go for like 8 and 6. So it's hard to really – I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but Harris is a very good rebounder. And he had 12 rebounds against Ohio State, but they weren't impactful rebounds. You know, we talked about some of them were like even he'd have an offensive rebound and like miss the tip in. they get another rebound and then miss the tip in. You know, kind of stats like that um if they can just hold those kind of good rebounders to those kind of non-impactful rebounds that's kind of the thing you need to look for um if looking back on the, they didn't play kentucky but i think oscar sheboy would have loved to play this team because he's averaging 16 rebounds a game and he probably would have got like 30 against ohio state
1: leading leading rebounder in the big 10 is kofi coburn 12 and a half per game second is john harrow with 10 Um, And then it's, and then it's Travion Williams from Purdue 8.8.
2: Which is uh, insane because he plays like 20 minutes a game. (laughs) Travion Williams stats make no
1: sense. 20.7. And eventually we'll get to Purdue and we'll talk to Purdue, but talk about Purdue, but um, Ohio state's had a hell of a time with Travion Williams in the past. Just an absolute hell of a time figuring him out. He is so good. Uh, But to to stay on Northwestern, um, I think Northwestern's a good team. Um, they're only one and three in big 10 play as of right now. Again, this is coming out Thursday, like right now, as we record this on Wednesday night, they're, they're playing, uh, Maryland tonight. So Northwestern could get back on track at two and three. I think that they're, they're a fine team. I think they're a borderline NCAA tournament team. And even though they're pretty bad on defense, they're really fun to watch on offense. So they will be a team to keep an eye on. And that's going to be a win that could get sweeter because I think Northwestern, is probably going to trip up a few good teams as the season goes on. Um, if they play Michigan State again, like I could see them beating Michigan State. Um, Ohio State won't play them again, so they will not beat Ohio State this season. But I could see them beating a Michigan State or beating a Purdue. Um, clearly, they could <laughs> they could clearly beat Michigan, but like they could potentially upset like an Illinois and, and beat a couple good teams because they have the. Uh, the talent at least offensively to do that
2: yeah the funny part is and i had them in the tournament i don't think they'll make the tournament now i think they've just kind of dug themselves a little too much of a hole at one and three and then like you said i mean they still play purdue michigan state wisconsin you know they still just have these games that i just don't think they're going to win um they'll be close i think they'll, they might be a bubble team but the funny part about northwestern is when we talked about them last week i said look they have bobuy they have chase audiz and they have pete nance they need other people to step up and that's how they'll win games. They got that in this game. Like you said, Ryan Young had a good game. Ty Berry had a career high twenty-three. It was just they allowed Ohio State to have ninety-five points. I mean eighty seven points, that's gonna win you a lot of games. Uh, so it was kind of funny that they, they did exactly what they need to do on offense. They just, you know, they, they let Lattell and Branham go for sixty combined and and nobody else for Ohio State looked particularly amazing. Michi hit a couple shots. Um you know, Cedric Russell had a couple shots, but for the most part, it was just Liddell and Branham. They just couldn't stop. And until Justice Sewing comes back, I'm starting to think that's going to be a little bit of a trend
1: here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a pretty clear one and two at this point, And then whoever else can contribute behind them. Um, it is
2: pretty crazy to watch Ohio State drop 95 points at halftime. According to our good good friend of the pod, Kevin Sweeney, Ohio State had 1.5 points per possession. That is unbelievable how good that is. Um, one is very good 1.5 is unbelievable so to see them do that without two of their probably top six scores is it, it, it is the potential is pretty sky high for this team especially on offense
1: and honestly until you get suing and towns back we're probably just going to keep ringing that same bell of like until suing and towns are back like this team is still they're still climbing up the hill they're still they're still trying to get to where they want to be and once they get those guys back, um, then they'll be at full strength. Um, to uh, We're going to go out of order a little bit because Ohio State has Penn State the next uh, uh, on Sunday. But a couple days after Penn State, and this is newer news, um, Ohio State added a game to the schedule for January 18th, which is Tuesday night at 7 o'clock at the shot. Tickets are on sale, um, but wait until I tell you who it is because then you may not be as interested. Um, they are playing the IUPUI Jaguars out of the Horizon League. They are, um, because they missed those three games, they're able to squeeze in a non-conference game in between Penn State and Nebraska. So two days after Penn State and three days before Nebraska, they're not traveling. They'll still be in Columbus. Um, And this is a very bad team. So it'll be more, it should be more like a scrimmage and shouldn't be as tough on their bodies.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a, uh, it's it's a, it's a can't-lose scenario unless they somehow lose the game, which would then derail their entire season. So um, kind of got to win this one. Shouldn't be an issue. As you said, they're 1-12. Their one win is against Spalding College in Kentucky. If They didn't say Kentucky next to Spalding. I wouldn't know where that is. Um, they're averaging 51 points per game this season. Like That's, that's horrendous. Um, they're b- the best score is B.J. Maxwell who's averaging a modest 12 points per game. But then there's nobody else averaging over six and a half points per game, and they're two, their second and third leading scores off the bench, which doesn't even make any sense to me. Um, and they're they're only averaging less than twenty minutes a game. They play a lot of guys. Uh, they have ten guys averaging more than fifteen minutes per game. Um, I guess that depth is great if you're good, but they're not. So this should be. I mean, this should be one of those. Figure out rotation games. You just got to, you just got to beat them. There's no, there's
1: no excuse. I'm trying to even find if, if that is a, a if Spalding University is even Division One.
2: I'm, not, I don't think so. I, I, can't think they are.
1: They play in the SLIAC, SLIAC basketball. What is that? That that's, has to be like D two or maybe like be NAIA. NAIA. I think
2: that's NAIA. That's absolutely. It's not
1: Division three. One. It's oh. D three.
2: I love how we just skipped Division three. We're like, it's either Division two or NAIA.
1: It's so not Division Three, game. it's either Division Two or NA there. <laughs> so they beat a D three school and they have lost everybody else. So, And it's not even like it's not even like um it's one of these like get paid to go get whooped on by a big school. Yeah, this 100%. game will be. But like it's not like their schedule's been a bunch of big schools. They lost to Butler to start the season by ten, respectable. But like all the rest of their losses are to like horizon league schools. Um other small schools. They're getting shitted on by like very similar schools to them so yeah they're just bad they are ken pom 355 which for folks that don't know most people don't there's 358 division one teams and they're number 355 so probably the worst team that ohio state has ever played um they average 17 turnovers a game they average like 50 points a game like I don't know how or why they are putting this team on the schedule. Um, oh, I know why. They're, they're going to get run up and down the court. They're going to get some, some work in. That's exactly um, what it
2: is. They're going to get some legs underneath them after their COVID break. And IUPUI might view this as a benefit too, just because they are also coming off a of COVID break. They were on break from December 21st through like January 8th. They just got back. So they're just trying to play some games too. Um, you know, Ohio State has history in the Horizon League. Obviously they play Wright State a lot. They'll play Cleveland State a lot. They'll play Chicago State. But those are teams that tend to finish at the top of the conference, not the bottom. So, um, yeah. I mean, this, the Horizon League is not a bad league at all. You know, Milwaukee's known for having Patrick Baldwin Jr. right now, who's probably going to be a top ten pick in the draft. Um, but they're playing the worst team in the Horizon League. So, they're doing this just to get, you know, and I said this before we started recording, quality wins and Q1 wins and all that stuff are very important just wins are important just literally how many wins do you have and they lost out on three possible wins with the covid break two probably definite wins and then the kentucky game was a toss-up so they lost out on three possible wins so this is just them adding one um but like i said it could very well backfire because if for some reason they have a bad game they lose this game they could completely derail their season so they need to win it
1: yeah I, i i can't see a scenario where they where they lose this game but hey you never know i never thought they'd lose to a a 15 seed either. And uh, I that's a thing that, I will see. that's a thing that, that's a thing that definitely hypothetically could have happened. Um Yeah. I don't remember it, but
2: I've heard it happen. I also say, I think Oral Roberts beats his team by 40, but nevertheless.
1: Beats Ohio state or beats IUPUI? IUPUI. <laughs> Not Ohio oh, state. Okay. No. I mean, they okay. might beat
2: Ohio state by like say two or something, but I don't know. Yeah.
1: That's um, just hypothetical.
2: Of course. I don't know.
1: Shout out, uh shout out Kev- Kevin O'Banner. Former Oral Roberts legend um, who beat O'Banner. Ohio State and Florida and almost beat Arkansas instead of the NCAA tournament. He's now a Texas Tech Red Raider, and they knocked off number one Baylor um, last night. So shout out to Kevin O'Banner, not a friend of the pod, foe no. of the pod, but just thought I'd mention that.
2: The fraudulent Baylor Bears. I'm just kidding, actually, Baylor.
0: <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney
1: Technically, cause like we said, today, the rematch, Wisconsin's up to 13, Ohio State dropped to 16. Um, what are you thinking about this one?
2: I think Ohio State awakened a, a beast in Wisconsin because since they beat them, you know, and they beat them pretty handily. We talked about this was probably one of their best complete games of the season, um, that Wisconsin game. And they just since then, Wisconsin's rattled off five straight wins, all five by single digits. Even they beat Nichols State and they beat um, um, Purdue by like the same amount, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. But they're all by single digits, but they've won these games. Uh, they've won, like I said, they won five in a row. It'd be funny if you told me on December 11th that when they played again on January 12, uh, 13th that the Wisconsin would be ranked higher than Ohio State. I'd have to assume Ohio State season. Went into turmoil, but really, just Ohio, just Wisconsin won some games, and you know they've moved up to 13th. It's not hard to see why it's Johnny Davis. I mean, it's it. He's he's if he's not the best player in the conference, I I don't know who is. Um, he's playing just absolutely amazing basketball. He's one of the he's one of the more impressive players I've watched over the past three seasons. Just because you know what he's doing, like you know you know he's their go to guy. You know he's the best player on the team. You know there's not much after him. I mean, they don't do – but but he is just a bucket getter. He's averaging 22.5. He's averaging 7.1 rebounds per game, which might be even more impressive. Um, you know, Brad Davison averages 15 a game for them. But it's the Johnny Davis show. And he had 37 and 14 against Purdue. He just had 24 against Maryland. Um, and they won by one. You know, he's he's just he's, – he's that guy for them. And – it's kind of turned into, you know, and shout out to Chucky Hepburn, who I've said before, I've I covered him in high school. Uh, he stepped in, he's playing 30 minutes a game for them running the point guard position and he's doing a really good job. He has 27 assists and 17 turnovers. He has the same amount of steals as turnovers. So he's done a good job at the point guard position to kind of let Brad Davison play off the ball a little bit. Um, so shout out to Chucky Hepburn, one of Bellevue West's, one of Bellevue West's great. Um, if you're, Anywhere near Nebraska, you know what Bellevue West is. Um, so. But it's going to come down to, for them, what Tyler Wall gives them and what Stephen Kroll gives them. That's always those two. It's always them. What does the bench give them? Their bench doesn't provide much in terms of scoring. Their leading score off the bench is averaging 3.2 points per game. I mean, it's it's their starting five. That's what they rely on. That's what they go with. That's what they use. And, um, you know, all their starters have played – have started every game they've had the same starting lineup every single game um for the most part i think except one they they switched up a little bit so you know that's johnny davis plays 35 minutes a game brad davison plays 33 you know you know what you're getting with this team you just got to stop them they did a good job of it a month ago see what they do this whole different ball game though because this is at the cole center so it's a tough place to go and win
1: yeah I, I've been flip flopping on Wisconsin all season long. Like we talked about this at the beginning of the season. I thought Wisconsin was just gonna be bad like bad, bad, bad because
2: they would be if Johnny Davis wasn't a national all American candidate.
1: Bingo. Bingo bingo. Um when you look at the stats of who they had coming back, you're like, Okay, they have this kid they have this kid Jonathan Davis who averaged seven points. Like he's probably gonna get a little bit better. He'll probably score you know, he'll be a better player this year, but he'll continue to get better. You know, Brad Davison, who's not a very good offensive player. They lose all of their top four or five scores. Like, all right, it's gonna be a bad team. And Jonathan Davis, who I'm I need to get this straight because now not only like his name is Jonathan, but I think he wants to go by Johnny now. Like he definitely sports yeah. reference. It has
2: changed throughout the season. Like it was Jonathan Davis when the season started, and now it's Johnny. So he must have he must have got the word out. Hey, I'm Johnny.
1: Like sports reference, like the Wisconsin roster, like it all says Johnny now, and like I've been typing Jonathan forever in articles but anyway he like he is their team like you said the, the rest of their team is not good like Brad davison i think averages 14 points a game um yeah 14 and a half but he does it he shoots his sub 40% from the floor he's like 38% he's 33% from 3 um you know he's not even their main ball handler really that's even Johnny Davis is essentially like their point guard now him and Chucky Hepburn split that like Brad Davison isn't like a floor general. He's an off-ball guard who is very inefficient shooting. Um, neither Tyler Wall or Stephen Crowell were were good against Ohio State. So, um, I still think that overall, like this Wisconsin team, the makeup of this Wisconsin team, like is not it's not good. Like it's not a good sustainable way to win games. But basically, Johnny Davis is just giving me the middle finger every night. And he's like, yeah. who cares? I'm going to score 34 and we're going to win by two. Um, like they barely beat Nichols State without him. They barely beat Illinois State. I think they had him for that game. No,
2: they didn't. He's missed two games this season. I believe it was those two. And then he then they comes back for the game. Drops thirty seven and fourteen, and they win by five. You know, at Purdue, at Purdue, by the way, which is impressive.
1: Which is very impressive, but it, exactly. So it's like, what happens if, if if he scores twenty points in a game? Typically, you're like, that's a very good game. That's pr- not enough for Wisconsin to win games if he's only scoring twenty points a game. No, yeah, they need him
2: to. He needs to have like, like you said, he had a career game against Purdue, thirty seven and fourteen. Is the stat line, most ninety nine point nine percent of players will never even get. And they'd be pretty by five.
1: Exactly. So they scored
2: 74. He had half their points. Literally, half, exactly half their points. We keep saying Nichols State. It's just Nichols. I don't know why we keep saying oh, Nichols yeah, they, State. They, I do they, want to change They
1: changed that at some yeah.
2: point. <laughs> I just want to, to point that out before we get like, fact checked by um, some Nichols fan that checks in. Oh,
1: my God. Like, here's some numbers on the Wisconsin offense. And this, this is how bad the people around him are. That these are still the numbers. This includes. Includes Johnny Davis's offense. Wisconsin averages 71.7 points per game. That is 194th in the country. They average 66 possessions per game, which I guess possessions doesn't necessarily mean you're bad, but that's 294th in the country. They shoot just over 41% as a team. That is 292nd in the country. Three-point shots. 29.6 as a team. Let me verify that on ESPN. Yes, 29.6% shooting as a team which is 320th in the nation overall field goal um, percentage i said 41.7 this is a bad offense and that includes probably the best player in the big 10 like this is a a shack that is falling down that is held up by duct tape and the duct tape is johnny davis well
2: and that's what we saw the first game against ohio state Johnny Davis really – he had a good game at, at the time, but then you look back on you're like, he didn't play that great against Ohio State, and they beat him by 18. You know, that, that duct tape fell off. And Ohio, Wisconsin was winning that game like 18 to 10 at one point. From there on, Ohio State outscored them by like 30. So, you know, that was kind of the this, – this is a funny – this team just defies all odds because it, when you look at, like, their minutes played and stuff, they have no depth at all. You'd assume they might be bad late-game situations because they're playing so many minutes – but like I said, over the past five games, they're 5-0, and and they've won every game by single digits. So they are winning games late. Um, but they're like everybody plays they, – they don't play their bench for the most part. They, they Their starters – Stephen Kroll plays the least minutes as a starter. He plays 23 minutes a game. And Chris Voigt, uh, the Cincinnati transfer, comes off the bench and plays 13 minutes a game. But outside of that, everybody else is playing 28 minutes or above of their starters. So, you know, it, it's kind of – it's a weird team, man. And I said this. I said this about Indiana. I think Indiana and Wisconsin are in the same boat of like. I think they can lose to anybody in the conference. I think if they catch Northwestern, or Nebraska on a good day, those teams can beat them. I also think they can beat anybody in the conference as they have. They beat Purdue. Um, you know, so I. <laughs> this is just a weird team. You know, it might be one of those things where simply just Ohio State plays them on the road and loses to them, and they beat them at home, and they split it. I don't know. I have State, I'm doing the preview for for Lane Grant. I do have Ohio State winning this game by four. Um, I think Ohio State will just kind of out-depth them, but maybe I'm looking into that too high. I don't know. We'll see. I think this is a big game, though, because Wisconsin's 4-1 in the conference as well. Um, Ohio State's 4-1. Michigan State's 4-0, and that's pretty much where you're at with the conference. So um, this is a big game for them. It's going to be very interesting to see kind of how they respond defensively because – I don't know if this is a better offensive team than Northwestern, but Johnny Davis is better than anything Northwestern has to offer by far. And that's not an insult to Northwestern's players. That's just how good Johnny Davis is. So um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I'm, I'm very – this is one of those games – I don't say this often, but I'm very curious to see how this game goes just from an analytical standpoint. They also beat Indiana by five, if that matters to anybody.
1: Yeah, it's <sighs> – it's such a it's it's almost funny like it's almost funny because it's literally like you look at all the numbers you watch them play and like the only conclusion you can draw is this isn't sustainable this guy has to score twenty five or thirty a game for them to win games and he can't do that forever and he's like watch me I mean all the numbers say that like they're just not that great like overall adjusted offense and Ken Palm they're like top they're a top forty offense they're a top forty defense so they're both fine in both areas but they're not great in either side we've already talked about all the supporting pieces and as a team their offensive numbers are not good their defensive numbers are not great um so it's just like you you want to say that ohio state should have the upper hand because if they do what they did last time which is hold him to basically as many points as he had shots he had 24 points on 22 shots last time they played each other they win the game but this dude just keeps on going out there and going crazy and scoring half of his team's points. And just, it doesn't matter if his teammates aren't, aren't good enough. Um, Ohio state out rebounded them by eight last time. I think, um, this team isn't, they don't have a trace Jackson Davis. That's going to be a menace under the basket. Like what happened against Indiana? Um, I think that Ohio state probably has a better chance to win this game. than They did at Indiana, but i I would not. I'm not a betting guy, so I wouldn't put money on Ohio State. Um, if you are a betting person and you are in a state where betting is legalized, Wisconsin is a two and a half point favorite.
2: Yeah, I think, and like I said, I have a Ohio State wouldn't by four. Wisconsin's two and a half point favorite. What that says is this is a toss up. <laughs> this game this go either way. It's going to come down to a couple shots. Um, I will say this: I if this team does sneak out a five or a six seed in the tournament. Uh, they're definitely going to be a favorite to be upset in the first round because, like you said, this is not tournament sustainable. This is not what you want heading into the tournament. Uh, this isn't the team that you want to put the horses on. So, um, And that's not really an insult. Again, that's not an insult to them. It's just kind of just logic. Um, we'll see. They keep defying logic, and it's kind of fun to watch a little bit, honestly. The fact they're 13-2 and two is pretty incredible. And I thought, honestly, they had a little bit of a tougher start to conference play. And with the Ohio State game going as poorly as it did, and then Johnny Davis missing a couple games, their season could have derailed. They could have lost. They could very well have that five-game stretch been two and three or one and four, but they did a really good job of just grinding out wins, and um, and now they're 13 and two and four and one in the Big Ten, and they have a legitimate chance, especially if they beat Ohio State today or tonight, um, to, to win the entire conference, which is insane. If Wisconsin wins this conference, man,
1: whew. I could see them winning a game or two in the tournament because more than anything in an NCAA tournament, the most important thing is to have a good guard. So I could see Wisconsin being like an eight or a nine winning a game. And then I guess that's a bad example because they're an eight or a nine. They're playing like the one next. So never mind. But I could see them winning like a game or two in the tournament. I could as well. But it just, but when you are rely on that one player, I can't see them making a deep run because I get what you're saying though. Like I can't see them making a deep run because you can't, expect johnny davis to score 35 points for
2: Not the tournament, six no. straight
1: games in the tournament to get them to like the final four of the championship game but i think they're a, I think they're probably a pretty safe tournament team at this point they've already oh, yeah. do and have a couple big wins um like we said so they have um when
2: well, the rest of their schedule like of, of january isn't crazy tough i mean they have ohio state but then they go northwestern which they should win they play michigan state at home that's a toss-up and then nebraska and minnesota so I mean that's those are, you know there's a lot of winnable games there.
1: Yeah, and uh I'll try to watch a few of them. What I've been doing lately is in like in the morning I'll check the, the uh check the ESPN app and see like which Big Ten games you're playing that. I've been trying to watch more of the other teams. It's kinda hard to remember that they're playing sometimes just 'cause like nobody in the Big Ten is ranked. Mm-hmm. So like you scroll through like the marquee games of the night and stuff and there's no games in there, but like they're like unranked teams in the big 10 that you definitely want to watch like Northwestern's one of them. Um, so like a Wisconsin Northwestern, that'll be a fun game. Um, Ohio state also is pe- uh, Penn state this weekend. The two have already played, I believe when they played the last time Ohio state won by, was it 12? Was it 76, 64?
2: Sounds right. I, I, haven't, I haven't pulled I'll, I'll pull it up as you talk, but yeah, it
1: sounds, right. um, they played, uh, it's been a, it's been over a month, can you believe that? It's been over a month since they played Penn State. Um yeah, 76-64. It was a battle. It was a tight game until the final minutes. Um they won on the road though. And then Penn State is going to come back to Columbus on Saturday. So, which guys on Penn State's team um, you know which guys, Justin, which guys had success against Ohio State, and um should people keep an eye out for again this time?
2: Uh, just real quick, he said Saturday it's it's on Sunday at noon, but um not a big deal just in case people are trying to play in the weekends. Um, yeah, Jalen Pick has been playing really well recently the Siena transfer. We talked about him when the first time uh, they came they came about uh, because he he was three time all MAAC. You know, he's he's a very he was one of the better transfers in the portal this season, and he went to Penn State, so that was a huge get for them. Uh, You know, they're playing another great big, as we said, with John Harris, and a great, very good big, in John Harris. So, and you know, last game he had a double double, but it was kind of an impact, unimpactful double double. They pretty much controlled the entire game against Penn State. Penn State had a couple little runs and knocked down a couple shots late um, to make it look closer than it was. But you know, we're kind of at the point to where. We kind of said this about the Northwestern game. Like, you get this team at home, you just got to beat them. There's, You know, there's no real real if, ands, ands, and buts about it. You just got to beat them. Um, And then they go after Wisconsin, man. They go Penn State, IUPUI, Nebraska, Minnesota. Like, these kind of all have to be wins. Um, And then you get at Purdue, and then it starts to get a little tougher. But, you know, the Ohio State can really finish out January with a bang. And I think it's going to – really come down to the wisconsin game you know how this game goes on on thursday can this game kind of propel them into those last four games or will it be kind of a roadblock and they have to you know kind of work up the 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 energy on these last four games in in the in the month of january so um it's a very important sequence coming up for ohio state because it's the most winnable sequence left of the schedule and then you get to the really tough games you know, the Purdue's, the Michigan State's, the Indiana again. So that's where you need to have these wins already locked up under your belt against the teams that aren't going to go to the, the tournament, like the Penn State's, the Nebraska's, the Minnesota's of the world. So And Minnesota's still kind of a team that's a little weird, might be the best way to word it, but they're still a team you need to beat. Um, fraudulent. Yeah, fraudulent in my opinion. But they're still, they've won a couple of games. They beat Michigan. But I guess Michigan at this point is the stamp next to fraudulent in the dictionary. So, um, yeah, this Wisconsin game kind of can set them up for a big, a really big run of wins, or, you know, it can really kind of, they might have to overstep it. It just depends on how they play tonight.
1: Yeah, Seth, uh, Seth Lundy was a little bit of a problem last game. Um, last time these two teams met, um, if you remember, he, he really gave E.J. Adele some problems early on. Um, he cooled off as the game went on, but, um, he's a guy you got to pay attention to. Like you said, uh, John Hera is a problem, but they're not going to run a lot of sets for John Hera. No. He's just kind of like your cleanup guy. He's going to get a bunch of offensive rebounds. He's going to extend possessions so that other guys can score. He's a headache. He's the guy you really do. You want on your team. Um, when they fired, um, Pat chambers, and Hera and Jamari Wheeler said they're going to the transfer portal. I yeah. said that both of those guys would be perfect additions for Ohio State. Yeah, um, perfect. Getting either of them. And they ended up getting Jamari Wheeler, um, a great addition. Yeah. He's been fantastic. And John Hera would have been great, too. He, he's much better than Joey Brunk, and they were looking for a big guy. Um, he would have been a great addition as well. He's a guy you want on your team, but they're not going to run many sets for him. Um, it's a home game. They should be favored by it. By a decent amount. Um, and it's a game you got to win. And like you were saying, they got like Minnesota, IUPUI, Nebraska. Um, pull their schedule back up her, her here. Um, Nebraska, IUPUI, Penn State, Minnesota, are your next four games plus Wisconsin. So if you beat Wisconsin, clearly the toughest game of those five.
2: Like you should be able to round off four after that. Hypothetically,
1: yes. And then you're looking at. That put them at what, nine on one in the conference? No. and and going to Purdue. So, you know, it's it's possible. I just, uh, after getting put through the shredder at Indiana last week on the road. um,
2: Yeah, everyone's a little gun shy just because of how the last road game went. Um, But I do think that Indiana poses a much more of a matchup issue than Wisconsin does. And I also don't think, like, yes, that game they lost by 16. I don't think they lost that game by 16 in general um you know it was just one of those games where they just kind of it looked like they just lost all kind of i don't hope might not be hope might be too serious but you know they just looked like they were just deflated um shout out tom brady so you know we'll see it'll be like i said it'll be i i hate i've said this like 45 times and i feel bad but it's it's just true it's just gonna be interesting to see how they kind of it kind of like northwestern how they bounce back from indiana how they bounce back from um You know, this is their first road game since the Indiana game, so it'll be interesting. And it's a tough place to play in General Cole Center, so big W in the middle of the court. It's the only way I remember it. Big W.
1: We're getting close on time here, so we were going to do a, I was going to do more of like a national scale, like which teams you've watched recently, either in the Big Ten or outside of the Big Ten that. Um, aren't noteworthy that you think are noteworthy for either being like really good having very really big wins or like just being really 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 shitty um, I would say real quick Texas Tech beat number six Kansas beat number one Baylor shout out Texas Tech shout out Miami who knocked off Duke this week as well I believe they're undefeated in the ACC they've won 10 games in a row I'm pretty sure and they're still unranked so um, AP voters stop being cowards and rank Miami that's that's my shout out for national teams
2: yeah miami finally came through as like there's finally a definitive number two team in the acc now i thought it was just duke and a bunch of really bad teams the acc at one point like i'm not even saying this as a joke looked like possibly a one bid league for a while i mean it's, they're just beating the hell out of each other and they all suck uh but miami's finally starting to come through as like a, a, a good team cam augusti is a good player over there charlie moore isaiah wong they got some pieces so um yeah shout out to miami I'm not going to name a team, but just a conference you kind of already did, but the big 12 is going to be so much fun this year with Baylor, Kansas, Texas tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. All these teams are really good. Texas, Iowa state, Iowa state, like the big 12, the big 12 tournament is going to be a must watch. Um, and just the big 12, the rest of the season. I mean, they're going to have a top 15 or so matchup every single time they have a big conference slate. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and, and, and nobody's fraudulent in the Big 12. They're just losing games by, like, two or three points, you know?
1: Big 10 fans could latch on to Iowa State because Iowa State's basically a team full of transfers. If you remember... Uh, Isaiah Brockington. Isaiah Brockington, he's at Iowa State. You remember Gabe Kausher with Minnesota? He's also at Iowa State. Uh, Isaiah Brockington hit the shot last night. Um, if, you got, if, if folks watch, Kansas beat Iowa State by one point. But Brockington hit a shot to give Iowa State the lead with one with I don't know like twenty seconds left, and then Kansas goes back down and takes the lead back, and then Iowa State comes back down and it's Gabe Kalsher, the who played for Minnesota last year who took the three that would have won the game but it went in and out. Um, so there's a couple of former Big Ten guys on Iowa State. They won two or three games last season and they've already won ten or eleven this year. So they're a fun team to watch. Shout out Iowa State.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. Just a quick interesting little tidbit. You know, Fred Horber kind of start when he was at Iowa State kind of started the whole like bringing in transfers and, and stuff like that and not really focusing too much on like recruiting and just simply plotting your team through the transfer portal. He was like kind of one of the early, early guys that did that. And now it's, it's funny that Iowa State under uh promise they're still doing that. So and they're doing it well. So.
1: Yeah, no, I thought they Hoiberg were gonna suck
2: this year. And and they're they're a pretty they're a really good team.
1: And Hoiberg's doing a really good job at uh never mind. Anyway, that'll do it this week. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe to uh the Land Grand Holy Land Podcast feed wherever you get your music if you haven't already done so so that You'll be notified whenever we put out new episodes.
2: Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BucketheadsLGHL for in-game updates and other things like that. You can also follow me at Justin underscore You can follow Connor.
1: Connor, where do you live? I live in the beautiful East Coast city of Columbus, Ohio, but that is irrelevant. If you want to follow East me Coast. on Twitter, you can follow me at Le- beautiful East Coast city of Columbus, Ohio. You can follow me at LeMond's underscore Connor on Twitter. Um... I am at most of the home games, so I try to get on the Twitter machine during the games a little bit if I can. Thanks. Thank you for uh, listening. Thanks for uh, going along with us on the ride this season. We've got a couple more months left, and it's just going to get hotter and heavier each week. So, you guys have a great weekend, and go, Bucks.
2: Only two more months till the national championship.